This week on The Magical Hacks, it's a pirate's life for me. everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of The Magical Hacks, the Magic the Gathering podcast recapping your magical week that was September, or I'm sorry, your magical week that was August the 30th through September 5th of 2017. I'm Tom Casper, and with me today, as always, is just... Stephen Hanley. Yeah, that's right. Ray is dealing with car troubles and couldn't make it to the show today, so... In lieu of that, we are just talking spoilers and a little bit of standard this week, so let's jump right into... News. Big news this week is some of the final Grand Prix for Standard we are going to be seeing as the set comes out in just a couple of weeks here. Uh, actually, very exciting stuff happening in Standard. Standard seems very healthy. Uh, we had a Grand Prix in Washington, D.C. and a Grand Prix in Turin. And out of the top eights, we have very varied lists. Of note, we have a lot of white decks popping up. Uh, Marty Vehicles is back in full swing. We also have stuff like Green-White Ramp and Mono-White Eldrazi making a huge splash in DC. Uh, Steve, you want to talk about that Mono-White Eldrazi list? Yeah, so this this list looks really interesting. Um, of note, the first card that really pops out to me is Archangel Avacyn showing up as a four-of in the main deck which is not something we've seen in Standard in a long time. I think the last time Avacyn showed up as a 4-of was back when uh, Green-White Tokens was the Haymaker deck of the format. The deck also packs a powerful punch with uh, Thought Knot Seers and Walking Ballistas in the main deck as 4-ofs, Mattery Shaper as well, and then uh, good old Eldrazi Displacer, just as a nice utility creature, um, pretty good at blinking Avacyn and making your creatures indestructible all day long. Uh, just the, the benefits of white come with the removal spells usually have to do with exiling things rather than destroying. So uh, you've got one cast out and three stasis snares to take care of whatever's in your way. I like how this deck attacks the format in a totally different way than most decks normally would. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think it's really interesting to see Solemnity, or at least that number of Solemnities. The list that made top eight in DC is running three Solemnity out of the sideboard. Oh, really? And with the uptick in, yes, and with the uptick in Teamer Energy, it seems like a great thing to be doing. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, also, we mentioned is the green-white ramp list uh, run by Cody Mullins at GPDC. He ended up taking second place. Uh, this list, I think, is really the one to be looking out for. Unfortunately, not a whole lot of it survives rotation. You can make a couple of changes here and there, but stuff like Weirding Wood and Descend Upon the Sinful, which show up in this deck. He's also running Fourth Raven Inspector, uh, Linvala the Preserver, how should, I, how should I put this? This is uh, usually when we see the ramp decks, it's green-red because there's a lot of awesome stuff to go grab in red. Not only that, your Eldrazi combo with Kozilek's Return, and you also get something like Chandra Flamecaller. 
and Chandra Flamecaller usually ends games by herself, but seeing White just be able to attack the format in a completely different way, uh, I mean, this is a little bit more grindy, it seems, than the normal green-red yeah. list, but at the same time, it has a lot more ways to deal with decks like Ramanop Red and like Mardu Vehicles and Teamer Energy with the amount of sweepers that you have in the main board. Right, and it, it definitely packs a punch with the six main deck sweepers mm-hmm. that it has. Uh, four Fumigates and two Descend Upon the Sinful just really makes it tough to get set up against this ramp deck that's planning on casting Ulamog after a couple uh, ramp spells. How would you feel about, uh, since we're losing something like Descend Upon the Sinful, just slotting in Settle the Wreckage? Um, That's the new four mana sweeper? Yeah, so uh, Settle the Wreckage is actually a a really interesting card to me. Uh, It reminds me a lot of Path to Exile, in the sense that every creature that gets exiled by it uh, your opponent gets to search for a basic land and put it into play. Am I correct? Yes, that is true. Yeah, so, like, it's a, a Wrath of God, except uh, instant speed, but the drawback to being instant speed is that you're ramping your opponent, which is not the best, but, yeah, I'm not really sure how I feel about uh, giving my opponent potentially, like, three extra lands, after sweeping their board. Yeah, I can understand that. I'm just thinking in the sense of... It's another sweeper that could slot into this deck, and from what we've seen so far of Ixalan, it's the only white sweeper that we could stick in here. Yeah, I and I agree with that. It's also an exile effect, and it seems that the graveyard hate is really coming with Ixalan in and of itself. Yeah, I do like the fact that it exiles so... You can't, uh, if your opponent is playing something like, uh, God Pharaoh's Gift or some sort of dredge strategy that might be in the next set, I can see the exiling being very effective. Depending on how prevalent or how, how important it is to exile your opponent's creatures, it might be that this card belongs in the sideboard of whatever constructed decks that want to play it just because it, it's not always a good strategy to ramp your opponent when you your opponent could literally be playing anything. Well, speaking of ramping your opponent while your opponent could literally be playing anything, <laughs> uh, we had a bunch of other spoilers happen this week for Ixalan, and uh, once again, there have been too many to talk about, and since Ray's not here, he sent us his picks of the ones that he absolutely, positively wanted everyone to know about. So, once again, we're just going to cover two cards. You can go online, uh, you can go to Scryfall, Magic Spoiler, MTG Goldfish. There are a bunch of sites out there that will have these spoilers available for you. But right off the bat, let's talk about a card called Wanted Scoundrels, which is an uncommon. It is a 4-3 human pirate for one in a black that reads, When Wanted Scoundrels dies, target opponent creates two colorless treasure artifact tokens with tap this, sacrifice the artifact, add one mana of any color to your mana pool. Now, we've seen this kind of creature before. The big, burly two-drop creature outside of green that has a drawback on it. In Amonkhet, we saw Blood Rage Brawler, which is a 4-3 for one and a red, but when it enters the battlefield, you discard a card. 
Uh, the difference here is that the drawback is so good for your opponent, it's hard to justify ever playing this card in Constructed Magic unless you have something like Rest in Peace built into your deck. Yeah. So when it dies, your opponent gets two Lotus Petals? Is that what I'm hearing? Uh, yeah. It so it basically turns uh, your opponent's Fatal Push into a one-mana Corpse Hatch, which is a card from... <laughs> Rise of the Eldrazi, which is a five-mana sorcery that destroys target non-black creature, and then you get two Eldrazi Scions out of it. So it basically, yeah, uh, any any removal spell your opponent has instantly ramps them by two with this card. <laughs> yeah. I honestly think the best part about this card is that it literally tells you it's a trap on the card. The flavor text of the card is... <laughs> Trust me, the reward's not worth it, and I absolutely have to agree. Oh, yeah. Some of the pros have been talking about this card. Uh, Ryan Overturf, who's one of the streamer or one of the uh, casters for the SCG Open, uh, I think put it the best when he said that one is Scoundrels is the Dash Hopes of Ixalan. And for those of you who don't know what Dash Hopes is, it's a two-mana black instant. It's basically Counterspell in black, except it's a Punisher card. So your opponent has the choice of paying five life or the spell gets countered. And Dash Hopes was never good. Punisher cards are never good. And this card, it might be okay in Limited, where removal is at a premium, but in Constructed, where everybody's got removal, this is, this is not a good place to be. Yeah, I can see a situation in Limited where uh, you just have this on turn two, and a lot like Blood Rage Brawler, you play it on turn two, and even though you had to discard a card, it could still easily hit in for uh, eight to 12 points of damage before your opponent had a blocker for it. Uh, This guy could have a similar effect where it just goes unanswered for two to three turns and all of a sudden your two drop has put your opponent way on the back foot and that could just mean winning a race in an aggro matchup. Okay. Uh, Ray sent in and Ray, of course, always looking for the best cards that you can possibly be playing in EDH. Uh, Ray sent in that his contribution or one of his contributions uh, this week would be the or actually they're both uh, flip cards. Uh, The first one he wanted to talk about was Conqueror's Galleon, which is a artifact vehicle for four. It's a rare. When Conqueror's Galleon attacks, exile it at the end of combat, then return it to the battlefield transformed under your control. And it is a 210 with crew 4. So not much is killing this when you attack with it anyway. Right. You kind of need, like, in a braid or a murder or something that can... Some kind of uh, unconditional removal when it attacks. And then... Uh, when you exile it and it transforms, it becomes Conqueror's Foothold, which is a land. Uh, you can tap it to add colorless to your mana pool, or you can pay two to draw a card, then discard a card, or you can pay four to draw a card, or you can pay six to return target card from your graveyard to your hand. Uh, I should mention each of the utilities on that card you have to tap the, the land for. Uh, that way you're not just pumping mana into this thing. Right. Uh, so basically it becomes sort of like a trading post on a land. Yeah. I am wondering how much play this will see in standard. Uh, Four mana is a tough slot, usually in standard as it is. Mm -hmm. And I could see some control decks playing this. Uh, I mean, you can obviously crew it with a Gear Hulk if you need to, or if there's a good way to make a bunch of 
cheap tokens. You could crew it with four tokens and then attack with it. But mm-hmm. I know most most control tech decks would absolutely love to just play Desolate Lighthouse for two colorless and tap it, you know. But mm-hmm. the the activation cost on this is a bit rough for control. But for EDH, this card is nuts. Like you, you should absolutely oh, yeah. have absolutely. this in every EDH deck that you possibly can play. <laughs> Uh, also, cards that should go in every EDH deck you can possibly play. Uh, we have Thaumatic Compass, which is another one of the cards that Ray picked out. Is a two-mana artifact. You can pay three and tap it. Search your library for a basic land card, reveal it, then put it into your hand, then shuffle your library. And at the beginning of your end step, if you control seven or more lands, you transform Thaumatic Compass into Spires of Orzaka, which is a land. You can tap it to add colors to your mana pool, or you can tap it to untap target attacking creature and opponent controls and remove it from combat. So, on the one <laughs> side, you've got Journeyer's Kite, and on the other side, you have a Maze of Ith that can tap for mana. Yeah, that that seems very good. Very good. I mean, the th- and, <laughs> and the thing is, you don't even have to ramp with this to get the effect off of the compass. Right. You, you can just play the you compass. You can just... Yeah, play it on turn seven in a in some kind of control deck where you're not missing your land drops, mm-hmm. and then transform it immediately. It's a ramp spell because it turns into a land that taps for mana, and it's also a Maze of Ith, which uh, Maze of Ith is very powerful. Yes. Uh, by the way, the land is not legendary, so you can have four of these in your deck and flip all four of them at once, and suddenly you just have four. Yeah, it, you you have Ew. the ability to untap four creatures every combat. Ew. That'll be pretty rough. <laughs> yeah, so, like, I can definitely see, like, I foresee uh, control decks playing four of this with, like, Approach of the Second Sun. Because oh. if your opponent if your opponent can't win, what better win condition than something that just has the text "I win the game"? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know what's better. Than that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, generally, like the way you beat those decks is just with tempo advantage. You attack them down before they have enough mana to cast it twice, right. but. Right, but if they're yeah. able to untap your big guys and all you're hitting them for is a measly like one or two every turn, what is that going to matter? Exactly. So, okay. Uh, how about you, Steve? What do you have? I would like to draw everyone's attention to, or I, I should I should say uh, before we move on from these, I have a note from Ray right here that says both are good in any EDH deck, so people should pick up as many as they possibly can as soon as possible. So there you go, from from Ray's uh, mouth. Bye bye bye. So he's saying that uh, these two cards will have a lot of demand by the casual community which is a very large community mm-hmm. in Magic. So he thinks it's a good buy at, I don't know, as soon as they come out, I guess. Yeah, I don't know what they're It kind of depends how much they cost. Uh, I would I would probably pick them up both at around a dollar or two if you plan on playing them at in EDH. Mm-hmm. Okay, moving on. So moving on, uh, next we have... My choice number one is uh, Sorceress Spyglass. 
It's a two-mana artifact. As Sorcerer's Spyglass enters the battlefield, look at an opponent's hand, then choose any card name. Activated abilities of sources with a chosen name can't be activated unless they're mana abilities. So, uh, Pithing Needle with a peak. Seems good for two. I mean, you you just staple them both for the same, like, you just combine the mana costs at Colorless and... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Pithing Needle is an incredibly powerful card, and uh, although this costs twice as much mana, making it, uh twice as slow as Pithing Needle, you also just get to see into your opponent's hand before they even play their cards. So if your opponent has, like, multiple Planeswalkers in their deck, you can look to see which ones they drew this game and just name that one. It's That's an incredibly powerful effect, and I'm honestly shocked to see... Pithing Needle get a reprint, well, a functional reprint, with Upside. I mean, to be fair, they did talk about bringing or making Pithing Needle legal when Marvel was still around. Like there, there was that conversation yeah. that was held. But they, That's true. they must have known this was coming, obviously. But on the other side of that, I'm, I'm so excited to turn to Spyglass. See the Gideon of the Trials sitting in my opponent's hand and name Gideon of the Trials and just be giddy about it yeah. when I play it on turn right. two and they're about to curve out onto turn three with it. So, <laughs> Yeah, I, I do like that as- aspect of it a lot. It gives pretty much any deck just a, an easy uh, sideboard card for pretty much any matchup that's giving you trouble. Mm-hmm. I also like it because uh, artifact destruction is so prevalent in the format right now, with the printing of a braid especially. So many people just have incidental uh, artifact destruction that the feel-bads of like having a pithing needle played against you, you know, sometimes you're just going to have an abrade and it's not going to matter. So, yeah, I, I definitely like the concept of reprinting Pithing Needle in a format like this. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, I think that this format in general, because because you can name vehicles with it, I think is also a big thing. Like mo- Moving on from Ooh. where we're at in standard right now, uh, mm-hmm. I've been a big advocate of the idea of Pithing Needle in standard is just to stop stuff like Heart of Kieran and uh, Smuggler's Copter and yes. you know that, that kind of thing. Like, I, I almost wonder if Smuggler's Copter wouldn't be safer in a format where Sorcerer's Spygrass and a Braid exist, you know? And, mm-hmm. I mean, that's just me speculating. But at the same time, it's going to be nice to be able to not only hit Planeswalkers, but vehicles with this, especially with the fact that vehicles are coming back. And especially because artifacts absolutely matter in this set. And we're seeing a lot of cards where artifacts matter. And I'm really excited to see how effective this card is going to be in the format. Yeah. All right. Well, I get to talk about two uncommons this week. And I know Planeswalkers got spoiled, and I don't care because Lightning Strike is back in standard. It's it's a time yes. for rejoicing, people. You know what it's time for? 
Some ACDC. It's time <laughs> to know that lightning strike is back in the format. Oh, man. Oh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, lightning strike is back. I couldn't be happier as a red player. Uh, this is going to slot right into Ramanop Red. Uh, Ramanop Red is going to be, I think, surprisingly strong in the coming standard. Yeah. You're not losing a. You're really losing nothing in that deck. You lose Incendiary Flow, and you lose Falcon Wrath Gorger, and you lose a couple of right. sideboard cards. And even the couple of sideboard cards you're playing, you're losing Collected Defiance and Warping Whale. If I'm looking at the most recent list from uh, GPDC this weekend. You're losing practically nothing, yeah. and you get to put in one of the best burn spells in Standard in the last couple of years straight into your deck. This is the kind of right. card I've been wanting for red-black control and red-black rend range for a long time because there are plenty of times where I really wish my Grasp of Darkness was burn, or I really wish I had just some way to get that extra couple of points of damage in to get that extra little bit of reach. And this is exactly mm -hmm. what I need because shock is just not good enough. Yeah, I definitely agree. Yeah, the uh, the third point of damage is really relevant, especially with the number of three toughness creatures we've been seeing coming out in this set. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I'm. I don't know. I I'm absolutely excited. I never thought they'd print lightning strike as a two mana spell again. Because we've been seeing these three mana yeah. spells that are either it's three mana at instant or it's like double red in one or it's a three mana sorcery. It, I just I thought Lightning Strike was just too good or Wizards deemed it too good for the format and it was just something we weren't going to see. We weren't going to see a Searing Spear or a Lightning Strike or God forbid right. a Lightning Bolt I ever mean, again. So in was it Hour of Devastation that uh, they had Open Fire, which is literally the same text as lightning strike it deals three damage to target creature or player mm -hmm. but it costs two and a red yep and it's also an instant so like it's not like it's any worse it just costs one more mana and that's the difference between being constructed playable and just being a first pick common in the limited format yep so yeah that's it's just crazy to me well, thankfully, this is at Uncommon, so it won't be... I mean, it'll obviously be a uh, like, great draft pick, but it's yeah, so... Yeah, I'm gonna... What, what was the last set that they printed Lightning Strike in? Uh, I believe it was it was either Theros or one of the core sets. Uh, let me look real quick. M15 was the last printing of Lightning Strike. So it's been almost yeah. two and a half, three years now since we've seen it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm, I, I'm I definitely happy. remember back when I started playing Magic, which, well, back when I started playing competitively, uh, Searing Spear was the one that was in the format then. And, like, back when I had never experienced a rotation, Searing Spear was about to rotate, but then they printed Lightning Strike in Theros. Mm -hmm. And,. I just don't remember a standard format without a two-mana, three-damage spell at instant speed that could hit a creature or a player until finally they let Lightning Strike rotate out after M15 rotated out. And, like, this has been the only format where I was just so shocked that we didn't have Lightning Strike in the format. It, it was the format that felt like it needed it the most, you know? 
It, it was yeah. It was one of those things where red, it, and I'm not saying red is too powerful right now. I mean, it is very powerful right now. Don't get me wrong. But there, mm-hmm. there was a good amount of time where red was just not quite good enough. And it was because it was missing a card like a lightning strike. It just didn't have, it's not so much that it didn't have the reach. It didn't have the flexibility in removal that it needed to deal with uh, clogged up board states, high toughness creatures, or just get that extra little bit of reach in. So right. Wizards has been definitely shying away from damage to target player that costs more than, or I should say that costs less than three. Right. So the the real power that comes from Lightning Strike, especially in those uh, red, uh, aggressive, burn-style decks, is uh, we, well, we had Incendiary Flow, which was the same thing except Sorcery Speed, uh, although now with Lightning Strike in the format, you can actually uh, play against control decks, get them really close to dead, and then just start sandbagging your draw steps and wait until your opponent taps out. Mm-hmm. And that's when you fire off your lightning strikes because they don't have counterspell magic up. Right. Like, playing playing the red-black mid-range deck, there have been plenty of times, and I know I mentioned this before, where I'd rather my grass be... Mm-hmm lightning strikes that's usually where i want it is when my opponent like taps out for gear hulk and they put something like glimmer on the stack and they're at you know like nine life or something and i'm just like i really wish i could put you to three i really wish i had you know two or three lightning strikes in my hand to either kill you or you know at least chip you away to the point where i don't have to worry so much anymore right especially when they're going like gain seven life put it back into my hand, kill you on the next turn, you know? So. Yeah, right. Man. I, I've had enough games pulled out from underneath me just because of Approach the Second Sons, and <laughs> having that extra little bit of reach would have gone a long, long way. So, Yeah. Lightning Strike is a hell of a card. Yes, it <laughs> is, and I'm very happy it's back. Can't, me too. Can't wait for the eventual burn deck that will come out of it. We'll see what happens, but... Uh, yeah, what else you got, Steve? Do you want to talk about the Vampire Hellrider? I'm very happy to talk about Vampire Hellrider. If you want to talk about Vampire Hellrider. Absolutely, yes. Uh, (laughs) So, the card we're talking about is Sanctum Seeker. It is a 4-mana 3-4, so it costs 2 and 2 black for a 3-4 Vampire Knight. And it says whenever a vampire you control attacks each opponent loses one life and you gain one life so you get to drain your opponent for one life for each vampire that attacks every turn makes me feel all warm and fuzzy inside correct me if i'm wrong uh hell rider only dealt damage right i don't think it Red it red doesn't gain life uh, naturally. Yeah, it just deals one damage to defending player whenever a creature you control attacks. Right. So this is the type of card that uh, it reminds me a lot of Hellrider without the haste. Although it it does trigger whenever you attack with a vampire, so it it kind of has a pseudo haste. But I really like this card kind of as a defensive card 
actually. Um, something that can push through a lot of damage, but it's also got that fourth point of toughness, which leave, leaves it as a pretty decent blocker um, just to hold back. Uh, I, honestly, if it had haste, I'm not entirely sure you would want to attack with it because attacking with this guy kind of puts him in danger of being uh, double blocked and killed. So holding him back on the defensive to uh, get some good blocks out of the way or like just kind of stop your opponent from attacking with their small creatures leaves you to really take over the game quite quickly, assuming you have enough vampires in your deck. Mm-hmm. It does, however, fall a little bit short against Glorybringer, but you should be able to get one combat step with it. Right. And not only that, uh, I mean, there's, from what I've been seeing so far, plenty of ways to make vampire tokens. So if you can mm-hmm. make a decent board state and then drop this guy on it, because what is it? With, with uh, Marvin Fiend, Dusk Apostle. That's a good way to do it. Uh, he's the 2-2 yep. legendary vampire that whenever a vampire, whenever one or more non-token vampires you control attacks, you make a vampire token. And there, oh, are, wow. there are other ways to do it. Uh, and I'm sure there's plenty we haven't seen where there are other ways to do it. But yeah, uh, <laughs> this card is very interesting. Uh, it also slots right into the vampire commander deck. So Ooh. yeah, that's <laughs> that's a spicy place to put it. But yeah. Uh, yeah, this I I'm really excited about this card. Uh, this set in general, like the more and more I see of it, the more and more I'm getting that nostalgic feeling. Like I feel like it's Innistrad and Theros and Ravnica all coming back at me, and it feels it's it just feels really cool. I'm really excited about it. Yeah, yeah, I I definitely like uh, with a card like this. It really makes me wonder uh how can i build the best vampire deck Mm -hmm. out of these cards and uh just the fact that we're seeing new tribal synergies like this uh it really gets me excited uh one more thing i wanted to cover before we move on to the question of the week is the more we've been seeing with these dinosaur cards the more they remind me that of uh the dragon spells that we were seeing in fate reforged and in Dragons of Tarkir, where they are very much Dragon's Matter cards. Uh, For Mm -hmm. instance, one that got spoiled today is uh, Savage Stomp, which is two and a green for a sorcery, but it costs two less if it targets a dinosaur you control. And you put a counter on target creature you control, and that creature fights a creature you don't control. And then there are oh, wow. there are other cards that get buffs if you control a dinosaur, or you can reveal a dinosaur from your hand to activate a special ability of the card as you play it or as it comes into play. So it's it's like we're almost seeing the greatest hits sort of package where they're taking all these themes they've had before, throwing them together into this set, and it's I'm really interested to see where this format is going to go because it looks like a lot of fun. Yeah, and there's there's definitely a lot of power in this set. Mm-hmm. Maybe not so much for modern per se or legacy. Uh, a lot of what we've been right. A lot of what we've been seeing. There are maybe a couple of cards in here. Uh, Copala might see a little bit of play in Merfolk. Uh, Settle the mm-hmm. wreckage could possibly see some control play, but a lot of stuff is it, it's just very powerful, very standard oriented. Very exciting mm-hmm. for standard players that have been looking for something to spice up the format a little bit. I'm really interested in where this format's going to go. 
Yeah, definitely. But I do want to mention, like, you know that someone, well, you know that probably Saffron Olive is going to build the Jace Cunning Castaway plus doubling season deck in modern. Oh, yeah. Of course he will. Because, like, how can you not? You just get (laughs) an infinite number of 2-2 blue illusion creature tokens, and uh, they don't they die if they become the target of a spell. So, yeah. That's not really a drawback when you have infinite of them. <laughs> <laughs> they have flying too, don't they? Um, unfortunately they do not. Oh, cuz I was going to say you could play just... favorable winds with that and then that's exactly where you slot that in. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Yeah. All right, well that brings us to our question of the week this week. I already got my wish. Lightning Strike is back in the format. What card would you love to see reprinted in Ixalan? That's a tough one. It doesn't really fit with the theme, but I really want to see Death Mist Raptor get reprinted as a dinosaur. Yeah, I, I could see that. <laughs> who know, who yeah. knows? We might see Megamorph in the next set. I mean, they're, they're, it's not like they're introducing true. Morph. Or in, it's not like Megamorph went over really well the last time it showed up but mm-hmm. having death Mist raptor back would actually be pretty sweet i'd be down for that yeah although i don't know how uh impactful he would be in the format without den protector but death Mist raptor was definitely really sweet in his time mm-hmm. something tells me they're they're gonna have to edera him like i don't know why you wouldn't make him a dinosaur after the fact he's obviously a dinosaur so yeah right yeah not a lizard beast something (laughs) (laughs) something tells me they're gonna have to go through and make a bunch of stuff dinosaurs after the fact just so people can actually build dinosaur edh because there really aren't enough dinosaurs to justify it i have a response from rice ball of all people yeah yeah so that's pretty awesome uh oh boy of course (laughs) rice ball wants piracy Back in Ixalan, uh, Piracy, for those of you who don't know, is a Portal Second Age card. It was also printed in the 1999 starter pack. It is two blue for a sorcery. This turn, you may tap your opponent's lands to help pay for your spells. Oh, man. <laughs> very on theme. Very cool. Uh, I completely agree with Rice Ball. Piracy would be awesome. Yeah. We would like to know your answer to the question of the week, which again was... If you could see any card reprinted in Exelon, what card would that be and why? Uh, you can answer by emailing us at themagicalhacks at gmail.com. You can answer on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash themagicalhacks, or you can tweet at us. We will be posting this on Twitter at themagicalhacks. You can find us wherever fine podcasts are downloaded, and you can find The Magical Hacks on Facebook and Twitter at The Magical Hacks and at themagicalhacks at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at TCGhosty. You can find Ray on Twitter at SuboptimalPlays. And of course, you can find Steven. You can find me on Facebook. My name is Steven Hanley. You can also find me on Twitter at SJHanley987. But yeah, we will be back with more spoilers next week, more news, uh, more geocaching updates, and we will see you next time. Thanks for listening. Peace.